Okay, once again, we are at the program, and you are keeping up, and we're going to have a conversation number two with the one, Rodney Williford of Williford Racing. Um, this was, uh, he pretty much had locked in the championship, only being beaten one one time this year by Shaker back in Virginia, kind of that rollover race. Um, so he is your XDA Pro Street 2021 champion um and this is before he wrapped up today and ended up winning the uh, event as well so rodney was on a tear and we were talking just general drag racing stuff since we've already done the intro if you haven't heard that one please travel back uh earlier in the podcast and uh catch up to speed with us on uh who he is where he's from Again, I would like to thank the XDA. I would thank dragbike.com for supporting me, getting me to the XDA, and then, of course, Energy Cool and Hard Times Parts and Service for supporting this back-to-back weekend weekend swing I had and allowing me to get there and interview Rodney. So, without further ado, Rodney Williford of Williford Racing. Alright, this is JT, and you are keeping up if you're listening to me, and we get to do session number two. With the ever busy running around like a chicken with his head cut off, mm-hmm. and Orient Express Pro Street 2021 XDA champion. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, we got this is Sunday. We're on the October 10th, so you got one more race to go through, but you've locked down the championship because you've done so well this year. Right. Um, the only thorn in your side this year turned out to be Justin Shaker. Yeah, you know, so Justin's been doing really well, um, running, well, actually, there's been a lot of people that have been doing really well, um, running, you know, really close to the same times that we're running, you know, low 650s and 640s um, in on eliminations, and uh, Justin got by me um, on the rain delay, uh, the rain, the, the the rain postponed race. Um, so uh, we may we maybe had a better chance if we had finished that race in Virginia because I think <laughs> I think his transmission was broken. So oh, he, wow. yeah, so okay. he had, he had a chance to fix the transmission and then beat me um, oh, yeah. beat me on the postponement. But that was awesome. So yeah, it was a it was a good race and uh, you know so I never mind losing to somebody you know when you know when we both go clean down the track. So it's just good good competition. Now. Uh, we've talked before so we won't go into a lot of history so if you want to know a lot about this man listen to the other session we got we covered a lot of that uh this is more about your program okay um but first of all because we already posted the time slip mm-hmm. um you and greg put down a monster numbers yesterday it's a great side by side i think it's the fourth fastest yeah probably track. probably yeah that's right so um I know um, Aaron and Greg have been working uh, really hard to try to get into the six, you know, get his bike into the 640s. Uh, so that was a big milestone for him. He'd been low 650s, you know, multiple times, never bumped into the 640s. So it was pretty, pretty nice for us to go 640s, you know, side by side and run that close. Um, you know, I knew I knew there were good runs. Um, you know, considering my run previous to that, I wasn't expecting to go 640 something because I only went 660 um, in my in my first run. But then um, it 
you know, I tuned it up a little bit and, you know, put a little more power in. And so we both went out there 640, so that was pretty cool. That's good stuff. So, so. now um, we, I know we spoke off mic uh, previous, though. Um, to have a season like you've had, because so, you even said, hey, luck plays into it. Right oh, yeah. spot, right time. So it's not all domination yeah. um how for somebody from the outside looking in how would you how would you try to explain to them how difficult this is uh, yeah i mean with the people that you have to go up against so oh it's 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 you know to the, to me like where we are now um it's anybody's race you know for me I, like i tell you i mean i'd rather be lucky than good any day because <laughs> you know a lot of days when i had you know um when i had uh, kind of I missed the tune up and, and didn't make a great run I had some luck on my side and maybe the other guy on the other side spun the tire but it's super competitive now um, to the point where you pretty much got to really push the motors um, uh, you know kind of past their breaking point um, you know evidenced by like uh, I, had, I came in yesterday um, no, came in on Friday <clears throat> and uh, had a brand new engine in the bike because I had a um, failure at the end of the last race. Okay. So I had a failure at the end of the last race. I had to build a new motor for my primary motor, put it in, and went out there on my first shakedown and blew it up, blew, oh, up, blew a head gasket and destroyed an engine. So in terms of just like, you know, how difficult it is, you know, monetarily, and you know, we're breaking parts, you know, like left and right and just trying to run the numbers that we run now. And, you know, from the from the um, competitive side, you know, everybody's right there and they all want to try to win. So everybody's just pushing, pushing their, you know, their their combination harder and harder. And we're finding the breaking point pretty regularly now. So so how many when you come into it, then how many, are you coming just with one backup motor? Yeah. So <clears throat> I um, this weekend I came with only one backup engine. So, you know, breaking, breaking, breaking my primary engine on the first pass of the day, not even in qualifications, you know, it was just a test run. So then I had to put my spare motor in for the event, basically, um, and try to, you know, find if I had parts where I could maybe put a patch repair on the engine that was broken, but it was, it's not possible. So I'm just trying to limp one engine through the rest of the weekend, so... Now, Pro Street, from I've asked this question of other people before, so we'll get Rodney's take on it now. To have a uh, to, because there's all kinds of people out there who say, "Well, I can ride a Pro Street bike." So just yeah. give me a chance; I can ride. It. Everybody can ride everything. It seems like, when, you're, <coughs> right. when you're reading on the various comments and blogs and so forth. Um, if you were to, and it's not a financial. We don't want to know the financials of your operation. Yeah. So, but um, if you wanted to come into it. So, what would be the best way for somebody to come into Pro Street? And what's the, the realistic thing they have to keep in mind? Because clearly it's expensive. You blew up a motor, you've got to have a backup. Yeah, so yeah, so it, it's a, for me, it's like you have to decide okay, am I willing to come into the class? And, and be comfortable if, if you don't want to run at the very top okay. am I willing to come into the class and be comfortable you know with running uh, I would say six six uh, seventies and six sixties um, and, and you know if you're comfortable with that 
and you're not shooting for running six, you know, low 650s and 640s, then, you know, that's, um, you know, an entry point, you know, for somebody to build a new bike. Um, they could, they could do that. And, but it's, it's a commitment and, you know, it's like you test and test and test, um, and just, you know, you have to kind of work on your own combination. The way these bikes are set up, you know, even if, even if someone else got on my exact bike, it would not be set up perfectly for another person. So it's like you have to dial in <clears throat> your specific combination. And my guys don't understand that. You know, it takes time. You can have guys with brand new bikes built exactly as one of the other bikes that are sitting on the floor. And, you know, the setup just doesn't work the same with that rider that's on the bike. So to me, it's like you got to be dedicated and you got to know where you want to try to fit into the class you know because the class is great there's a lot of guys that come out and they just they love being able to just work on making themselves quicker you know some of the guys you know they they come out and just they're ha- they're happy you know to get out and just every week go a little quicker pick up a few hundreds here pick up a few hundreds there and that's what brings them to the class and then you got the other guys that have been doing it for like you know 20 you know 15 20 years they want to be at the very very front of the class and that's a totally different commitment to me okay gotcha now um this weekend we talked briefly so now billy bose is out here we Mm -hmm. know he's after a monster number so we've got a good image of you two guys talking oh yeah um i actually kind of used your comment but after i took the picture and you saw the picture and you made a comment who's the pupil who's the teacher that's actually what i labeled (laughs) the picture when i posted it right um so a lot of people see that. Um, y'all are working together because you have, I mean, he's got a wealth of experience, but so do you. So yeah. How's that collaboration working? And um, obviously, what have you pulled, what has he helped you with and then vice versa? Uh, yeah, you know, well, Billy, he's been in the game for a long time, probably, you know, one of the, gosh, at this point, one of the, the, the longest um, tenure guys that's still running a bike outside of Paul Gast. So he's... He's got, he started, um, or early in his career, he was running turbo bikes himself. So he has a lot of input and a lot of knowledge around turbo bikes, and uh, you know, and and um, you know, they ended up getting the the old turbo that we had, uh, the um, the the bar bike, the the pro extreme bike. Okay. So um, you know, it's kind of like to answer your question on the pupil thing. I think we're both learn we both learn from one another actually. So I have ideas, he has ideas, and. Um, um, you know, hopefully it'll work out and we can align the moon and the stars and, and make a really killer pass um, with that bike. I think I think a lot of people are trying to, are looking for that or yeah. kind of anxious to see how fast it can go. What, what I, when I was talking to him, because it was after he ran the 617. Uh-huh. I think, yeah, when he ran the 617. And um, obviously his experience, he's been doing this a long time, but he made the comment and it's... He made the comment that he actually let out of it a lot earlier than he was like five, yeah. five six when he let yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And um, the one thing, the one thing he made a comment about, he goes, "My head was above the cowl and my arm wasn't tucked in." Yeah. And so he described to me that in order to bring my head down and bring my arm in, I would have to put pressure on the bike. He goes, "So I chose to not do that." He yeah. Because I didn't want to mess the pass up. Yeah. Um, don't you think that a lot of people forget? That it takes that he could think of all that 
in yeah. that short period of time. So yeah, um, how many people are really? I mean, obviously he's got the experience to do that. But yeah. Do you think a lot of people miss the fact that those little things that you have to know for racing at you guys level? Yeah. It's not just getting on it going fast. Yeah, you know, to me, I, I think back to like the the eighty twenty rule. You know, there there's there's uh twenty percent of the people can 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 really think about all those things right and 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 put it all together in a run <clears throat> once you get enough laps and you kind of know the bike and you know the the um the track that you're at um you, when you leave the starting line it's almost like you're there's so many things that are happening your mind speeds up and everything else kind of slows down if that makes sense yeah. so your mind speeds up everything else slows down so like you know when when you're out there you can feel all these little things that are happening um and you know kind of make corrections for those things and like what billy said you know that's um um it's once you get out there past the eighth mile and you get 200 mile per hour wind hitting you in the face um you have to make a big decision you know do you do you hang on to it um, and try to keep going, or do you let out of it and get your, you know, get your head back down? Because I've been out there before, um, you know, and and you know, you peek your head outside of the the windscreen, you know, to maybe try to correct the bike. It might be drifting. You peek your head outside the windscreen, and the wind gets under your helmet, and it'll it'll pull your head straight up in the air. And if the wind gets under your helmet, and you're looking at the moon and the stars. And you don't know where you are on the track. Yeah. Um, you have to make a decision, and you know most of the time it's to let off the gas just so you can kind of get your your um, head down, right, to slow down. Because you you're once it, once you're going so fast, you're not going to pull your head back down with your own body strength. Okay. You you pretty much have to let off the gas and let the bike slow down enough to the point where you have enough um, energy to 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 actually overcome the wind. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it gets pretty scary out there. I mean, I've had I've had instances where the wind got under my helmet and it really felt like, you know, because the wind is pulling you back, your hand is on the throttle, so the the harder that the wind pulls you back, the harder that it it pulls your throttle back. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had an instance where I I basically let go of my throttle because my head was so high I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't actually reduce the throttle so I let go of the throttle holding just holding on with the clutch side just to you know kind of just slow the bike down so and to remind everybody what's the fastest you've been down the track because I know a lot of people I know drag us drag racing people are more worried about DT numbers yeah so and I think Shaker still holds this <coughs> record right my understanding yeah so what's the fastest you've been uh, so uh, 643 um, on the ET and uh, I think it was two I don't keep up with the mile per hour very much, yeah. but I think it's 233, yeah. like low 233s on the mile per hour. So, I mean, like for for people that like cars, that translates from zero to 233 miles per hour in uh, 6.4 seconds. So that's pretty good acceleration. Now, um, the bike that obviously you and you and Billy's brain, y'all are brain picking on his bike. Uh, again, what's the horsepower on your bike? So, mm-hmm. And then what's the horsepower that Billy is dealing with to give people a uh, reflection of this? Yeah, so they're similar, you know, because they have some turbo size limit rules on our bikes and the um, Pro Extreme bikes. The, the turbo for the Pro Extreme bike is a little bit um, a little bit bigger, so it can make a little more power. So I would say a typical Pro Street bike is going to make um, 
750 um, and uh, 750 to 800 horsepower and then like a pro extreme bike is going to make you know 800 to 850 maybe another 100 horsepower for the for the bigger turbo so now if you had to describe driving the the, the, <coughs> the driving differences required for those two machines how would you describe that somebody uh, that's always a tough <coughs> it is it is um, so for me <laughs> for me like uh you know, on a pro, okay, so the, the pro street bike, um, on both bikes, you have to be very uh, comfortable. You don't want to try to drive the bike, like turn, like actually steer the bike on the track. You want to use your body language to kind of move the bike around. Because in either of those bikes, like when you lean the bike over, your contact patch with the tire and the asphalt or the concrete, it, it's drastically reduced okay right so like uh, because we have a kind of a flat contact patch so if you lean the bike you get up on the edge of the tire and you spin the tire so you use mostly to drive it you use body language but for me i think the the um the big difference is on on a pro street bike um you know you're you want to try to when you leave the starting line you want to try to like you know keep your body in and forward you know just because we're limited on wheelbase so you want to try to like use your body to help you out with the launch because you know you don't want a wheelie um but for me i found with the pro extreme bikes or the wheelie bar bikes it was better to really like actually kind of like push against the handlebars and push yourself back into the seat so that you have all of your body weight already sitting back in the seat because when you let the button go on one of those bar bikes it really it you know the first five feet is is really aggressive you know way more aggressive than a, than a, like a pro street bike so it, it wants to try to like really pull you back and throw you in so i just i found actually pushing myself back and going ahead and put all the weight that i can toward the back of the bike you know made it so much more comfortable i didn't wow. feel i didn't feel any pull on my arms or anything like that because i was kind of already pushing back into the seat so yeah and what uh what type of g's and what <coughs> rpms and things like that uh, technically, when yeah. you launch, what is this bike doing as far as RPMs, gauge, so forth, G forces? Yeah, yeah. So uh, on a pro street bike, on yeah, our pro, pro street, street bike, and pro street. Yeah, so pro street bikes, um, typically you're running like two, uh, 2.2 to 2.4 Gs, um, like when you launch. Okay. Um, and then you know somewhere between, I mean, like everybody's different. So somewhere between, like you're at the starting line, you're sitting from six thousand to seven thousand RPM, and when you let the clutch go, it revs up to about eight thousand to nine thousand RPM. Okay. Um, and and that pulls about two two point two to two point four Gs. And then on the Pro Extreme bikes, it's very similar. You know, the launch is not very different um, in terms of the RPM, but the um, um, the G's, you know, like that initial hit is a lot heavier. So you're going to be pulling three, you know, three, maybe a little more than three G's right there on the initial hit. Wow. I don't even look at the accelerometer that much anymore. So I'm thinking like it's three, right? It might not be three, but it's somewhere higher than, you know, higher than what we would run on the pro street. So maybe it's 2.7. I don't know. But it sounds, I mean, a few other people I've talked to, it's, it falls. They, they all seem to fall in that window. Yeah. Yeah. Top fuel bike. You ever thought of the road inlines or anything? No, or no. I'm. I don't think my body. I don't think my body is um, built for a top fuel bike. Yeah. You know, I'm a short guy. <laughs> um, 
you know, and most of the top fuel guys that I see are kind of long, and you know, they got a little, sure. they got a little, they got a little, you know, upper body strength and some mass to kind of move that bike around if it's not going in the right direction. And um, I don't see myself being able to do that, you know, with my little short legs and my short torso. I don't, I don't think I have enough leverage um, to, to ride one. Well, it makes feeling better. I asked Paul Gass the same thing when I talked to him. He goes, I have no desire. I've never had a desire to do it. He goes, yeah. I don't want to go that fast. I'm not quite happy where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we go pretty fast on these bikes, but it just, you know, top fuel, you know, just the size of the bike and the the size of the tire and, you know, the noise that it makes. And, um, it, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I'd, I don't think I have any desire either. It's just... Well, it's oh. For me, it's interesting when I have these conversations with that. I think that's a, a lot of people who are either new or looking in from the outside. Y'all really have your, your element that you prefer. Yeah. Like you, you prefer pro stock. Yeah, pro and street. You got your, or pro street. And you got your Joey's and them who likes pro stock. And yeah. you got Larry who likes them, Larry and Dave and them that likes that. Yeah. Um, so people, that's what's cool about the classes. To me, it's I like it when you're focused on your class and what you're doing because you'll do better. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. and you're having fun. I can clearly tell you're having fun. I mean, yeah. obviously you're working on five or six different bikes like you are this week because you're dealing with grudge bikes and stuff. So, right. and with that being said, how are they doing? Uh, the grudge bikes are doing good. You know, we've had some good laps. Um, uh, good luck. Uh, Big Dave won the um, the Monster Bulls Championship, so um, Dave, uh, Pick and Pockets David Page, um, and then we had um, uh, Ray Lee and Harley Drivers Bike um, won the um, Nitrous Bulls last night. So um, you know, congrats to those guys making good clean laps. Had another bike here um, that made it to the finals. That was May Jean um, uh, Jumps bike um, with Deshaun on, little Deshaun on it. So they made it to the finals, and um, it rained, so they had to split. So the you know the Grudge guys did pretty good. I was pretty happy. And again, like I said, I'd rather be lucky than good because we had a few lucky passes to get to where we were. Um, but it all it turned out all good in the end. So and Grudge and to me and again I'm. Not I haven't been requested much for grudge grudge events and stuff like that, but especially this this year and part of last year, it's really seemed to almost exploded. Yeah, are, there, are you seeing that as well? Well, there's always been a lot of grudge racing um, and a lot of grudge events, but in the past couple of years, they put on they've done some different um, I would say promotions or marketing, and they're um, finding ways uh, to make it more interesting for the uh, for the grudge racers to get out there and race you know like um i would say in the past it's been tough for you know to to actually get a big group of guys and then do like individual grudge races you see what i'm saying so they put together some events where it's more like um it's more like a shootout everybody you know you don't have to risk quite as much money on a single race um but you know you're going to get to race and collectively the pot is pretty big so they've been they've been doing that kind of format lately and it's working out pretty good you get a lot of guys show up and um and and willing to race um in in the shootout as where you might not have gotten that in the past now um i know you got a lot to do so I won't keep you too much longer. So we want to make sure she's finishing her homework over there. <laughs> but uh, 
With that, with the comment about finishing our homework, the Williford Army, of course, as I like to call it, is with you. So, um, your dad, let's give him a big shout out. So, because he was already hard at work this morning when I come down there. Yeah, yeah. Papa Jimmy's kind of like the, I would say the the flagship um, uh, Williford Racing crew chief. He gets us to the track. He keeps us on point. You know, pretty much does. Um, all the service on on my motorcycle and a lot of other motorcycles that you know that we're helping out during the weekend so you know I can never you know I can never thank him enough and you know Amber you know she's a trooper she follows me pretty much everywhere we go um, and he keeps us all fed and, and keeps us all you know kind of pointed in the right direction and the kids you know obviously she takes care of all the kids and everything kid related so that I can, you know, work my day job and, and you know, kind of keep the motorcycles going and, and make it to the races. So, yeah, it's just great to be here. How long have you been married now? I've been married 15 years now. 15 years? Yeah, 15 years in August. So, very good. It's been a good ride so far. Hopefully, we can keep it going. <laughs> well, like I said, there's a. Uh, because your, um, your whole crew isn't out here this weekend, aren't you? No, Cheyenne, one of my daughters, um, she had some uh, dance events stuff to go to. So I have most of the crew, um, but Cheyenne, she hung back, and she had um, she had a few dance things to do, getting ready for some competition. So. Okay. so how's that going for her? Oh, great. Yeah, Cheyenne and Sadie, um, you know, all the girls dance. Okay. Um, Skylar kind of, she graduated out of, well, she graduated from high school, so she doesn't dance um, with the same company now, but she actually made it on to the, um, the UNC Wilmington dance team down in Wilmington. So um, she did really, really well there. And, um, you know, it just keeps, I feel like, you know, um, with the kids, it's always nice to have something for them to do, um, you know, to um, to keep them kind of engaged, um, keep them um, with a group of like-minded individuals and kids um, that, you know, have some drive um, and, you know, it helps keep them out of trouble. What do you think, and what's, what's good is that mindset about keeping them in that group the same thing applies for racing you surround your people you surround yourself with people that are like-minded right, right, right yeah and they they want you to win so they don't always like pop he doesn't want don't <laughs> he doesn't need the spotlight yeah <laughs> he exactly. doesn't talk a lot yeah but uh obviously you got a great support crew so we want to make sure we gave them a shout out and i know you got a ton to do so i won't keep you too much longer but we're not done talking to them we'll come back because um sure he's uh after another win like today he's got one more event to win but congratulations on your championship williford racing you can find him on instagram you can find him on facebook and of course i'm hammering dragbike.com and everything else so yeah they're out here so yeah big thanks to you know jt everything you do keeping everybody up to speed on what's going on out here i think you're doing a great job man and um thanks to dragbike.com for kind of um you know sponsoring you know some of this as well so thanks a bunch all right we're gonna let him go your pro street champion 2021 rodney williford thanks guys appreciate it all right we got another one in the books and we are looking forward to talking to rodney again um i wish i could spend a little bit longer with rodney but he's a busy guy um we took sunday morning um to uh sit down and have a discussion with him. He was uh, checking in on his uh, little girl, making sure she was doing her homework, and she was. He doesn't have to tell her. She automatically does it. And uh, she was in the other media room. 
and uh, he was helping a bunch of grudge racers and things of that nature. So uh, hopefully um, at the next race I get to see him out and get there a little bit early and we can get a little bit more free time with Rodney because there's a few other things I want to talk about, especially on the technical ends of his motorcycle. So if you have any suggestions for anything that you would like me to answer of Rodney or any of my other guests, please shoot me a message. Um, again, we will thank Energy Coil, Hard Time Parts and Service for helping me through that swing. I've got a whole bunch of partnerships uh, that helped me out this year, and I thank every one of them so much. If you go to uh, jtnorton.com, click on the tab and look at partnerships, you'll get a quick overview of everybody that's helped me. Please help them in return so um, we can continue to support you and support this sport. Thank you so much. I'm out of here. Not going to be gone long. I shall return and be back.